3: Well, a Manchester derby win's probably the best way to go into the international break, and on this week's Blue Moon podcast, we'll be looking back at all of the talking points from the game. And we promise not to do any showboating near the end, since that's now been outlawed by the fun police. Also on this week's show, we're taking the opportunity to look back and compare how this season's City are doing up against last season's City when it comes to big games. And we'll be posing the question, has Pep Guardiola's side actually managed to improve, despite breaking all manner of records last time out? Howard Hawkins back, and he's seen some more disturbing off-the-field leaks. And we'll be taking your questions in Ask the Panel as well, so get them in for future shows at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter or head on over to bluemoonpodcast.com. Well, I'm your host this week, David Mooney, and I've got two City fans in the studio with me, starting off with Kieran Clark. All right. And we've got Bob Tool. Blue. First oh, time in yeah. the season for you. Are you well? I'm very well, thanks. And yourself? I'm not too bad, thanks. Good, uh, good Derby victory to uh, to kick us off. So, I mean, first off, off the pitch news could have been could have been quite distracting for City this week, but it just it just hasn't been, has it? I mean, it. it why doesn't things, Why don't things like that affect City these days? I think
4: it's a lot to do with the manager. Um, he has them so well drilled and focused. Um, as I think, when they step on the pitch, they. I mean, even days before they probably step on the pitch, they're not even thinking about the stuff in the news. So I think it's a lot to do with pet, to be honest.
0: I, I I'd agree with that because I think they are so they are so focused. Um, but I think partly it's because you know financial fair play. Now I think it's just such a boring topic that it's it's just run its course now. Um, I think if you've got a real problem with Man City, I think you can have problems with the ownership, um, you know the the regime, etc., and stuff like that. Those are perfectly legit, legitimate concerns that you know should warrant further criticism. But you know, spending a bit more extra money or getting round rules that are there—that the rules weren't fair anyway. I don't think. I think most people now recognise that it's it's a load of nonsense anyway. Um, I think that's that's even shown by you know the standard of people. But I,
3: I, I'm just I'm just thinking more that you look at city teams in the past. They'd have a big week of news off the pitch, and the team would feel the pressure.
0: But a lot of people were saying it was big news, but I don't think it felt like big news to most people. Sorry, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I just it just didn't. It didn't. I didn't. I I couldn't even be bothered with it. It didn't even. You know, it wasn't that much on the radar. I I know didn't uh, register. Yeah, it it Mm. just didn't seem that important. And I think it. Obviously, you know, in in terms of PR disasters, the club has done a lot worse than what last week was, and I think the fact that the so-called revelations got weaker and weaker and more diluted, it just it just sort of petered out and nobody cared, I don't think.
4: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, like you say, a lot of it wasn't actually news. Um, can, you can understand why it was in the news, but if half the City fans at least didn't think it was Particularly worth, interesting, yeah, worth worrying about the players are going to be even less so because it just wouldn't be news to them
0: i think all. the fact i think the way it was framed as well was particularly poorly like it you know it may as well be written by uli Holdenis himself it didn't even come across that it was any other club apart from bayern it, it it genuinely came across like it was a bayern pr message like he brings out at the start of every single season it it was it was bizarre considering you know they are a reputable news source who generally you know, considering the investigation that they've got to get the information that they've had, I think it was just really it was it was poorly written and poorly poorly framed more than poorly anything presented. Else. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, well, let's let's look on the pitch then, because I mean, I want to start with somebody who didn't actually score in the derby because I thought he was utterly brilliant, uh, Bernardo Silva. Just I thought he ran that game from
0: start to finish. Yeah, he was absolutely sensational. Um, I think you just run out of superlatives for him, really. Uh, the way, the way the ball just sticks to his foot the way that he knows he knows where to be all the time on the pitch no matter what position he's in if he's out on the wing or if he's in the centre of the pit he just knows where to be especially when you consider you know he's played deeper this season he's played further forward he's played, played inside the, yeah he's it, just all over the place he can just do absolutely anything he just he just seems to really really absorb a game really well and be able to paint whatever picture he wants to on it I think he's just absolutely fantastic Bob, when you watch him play, it's it's weird because I,
3: in the absence of De Bruyne, he's been the one that that's kind of stepped up and done the 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 kind of hard work creatively in that in that role, um, but he just he, he just seems to to have so much more awareness on the pitch than than any of anybody else on on City's team, and when you think about the the sorts of players City have got, that's incredible, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, I think he's really come to life in the middle, which is mainly where he's been playing this season. And I think that's helped. Um, and yeah, he's really just stepped on. And I, I actually think De Bruyne, when he comes back, he's probably going to struggle to like really establish himself. Because I thought when he came back a few weeks ago, he wasn't that particularly good.
0: He has just been out for three months. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think De Bruyne will walk straight back into the team, but not at the expense of Silva. Well, this I don't, a- I don't know where I don't know where he's going to fit in, but I'm sure that Guardiola will find a way. Well, he'll just he'll
3: take a defender off and stick another
0: midfielder in because that's what he does. <laughs> he, just, he, just... Oh, he might drop Edison. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but, I mean, still on Bernardo though. He he, he does this thing where I mean he, it's almost like he should be easy to read because he, like he's very left-footed. Everything goes goes down his left-hand side. And he does this thing where he's playing out wide on the right and he kind of leans into the box and just keeps edging forward. And you think, well, he's going to cut back on his left. And the defenders go, well, he's going to cut back on his left. And then he does it and still gets the ball across and still yeah, beats yeah. him in. And I just, what, I, what I'm finding this season is watching him is just actually. I used to love, it's the same way I used to love watching David Silver.
0: Yeah, it's the, it's, 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 his balance is incredible. And I think that's, that's, even though they don't move in necessarily the same way. They beat defenders with the movement, even if it's a minuscule piece of movement. They beat defenders just with like, not even the drop of a shoulder. It's like the hint of a drop of a shoulder. It's absolutely incredible the way that they can just kind of you go with them when you're st- when you're stood there in the ground. You're you're going with the, with the <laughs> defender. You it's that, I mean? that, yeah. Those wonderful times when you're yeah. watching the highlights and they do the cameraman and yeah. it just you know, <laughs> you
3: know when the camera goes off it
0: and then yeah. they've got to find the ball again. But the amount of times like that you've done that over the years with David Silva and that you're doing it with Bernardo now, it's it's just ridiculous. Bobby he does this thing as well and he did it a few
3: times against United. He comes deep to get the ball, he gets it played into feet and you think, well he's going to get clattered from behind here now, and he just kind of he turns so tightly that he just goes round the defender that's come with him and goes, right, well, I've got 10 yards of space now.
4: Yeah, it's very much like David Silva, though, isn't it? Um, that kind of ability to sort of sense the danger from behind and sort of spin out of it almost. A bit Jedi-like. Yeah, and it's quite bizarre that they're both playing in the same midfield. You kind of yeah. would think it's they're, too lopsided, but, but it's they're actually, not, is it?
3: They're actually not... Like I, I wrote about this in the week because I thought they would get in each other's way. But they just complement each other so well. They both know where the other one's going to be. They know where they need to float around, and they both break the lines. and I think I actually think Bernardo does a bit more. He's a bit more direct. He gets the ball and runs Definitely, a bit, yeah. runs a yeah. bit more. Whereas where you think David Silva, he likes it. He likes to get the ball and then play somebody else in and not really kind of beat men and get through. Bernardo's well, got it in him to beat yeah. a few well, men. Well,
0: in. I think I think David Silva's um, evolved evolved as well. Obviously, in, in over the past season of the half. Is My favourite thing is that slow jog in a circle to to create space. I don't know how David Silver does that. He just gets the ball and slowly... He has three players around him and he slowly jogs in a circle and ends up further forward up the pitch with no one near him. How does he do that? He did, he, he did it against Chelsea last year. He did it against United at the weekend. Yeah. Just a slow jog and you are in the attacking third with no one around you. It's absolutely incredible. And like you say, Bernardo's more direct, but David Silva, who who does that? Just kind of just turns like an Arctic lorry, and he's just in in acres of space. It's absolutely bizarre. And I think like that kind of awareness, you know, Silva used to be more direct. I think. Yeah. Um. And and we we would mention it before on the Patreon show the way that he kind of he can play it, the, the way that he would go for the riskier pass. He doesn't necessarily do that as much anymore. Whereas like Bernardo Silva would try and run past the player, it's quite rare for David Silva to to actually do that. Yeah. Do that now, yeah. Mm. Well, while we're on Silva, he uh, he scored the opening goal in the
3: derby. It's his seventh goal of the season. Uh, his best goal scoring, Bob, is is uh, twelve in a season. So surely he'd beat that this year. Yeah, you think so? Um, what's what's Guardiola done to get this out of him? Because I I didn't think David Silva could get any better.
4: Well, I mean the goal on um, Sunday that was with his right foot, wasn't it? So yeah, maybe shooting with. Both feet? We didn't shoot there the Maybe, before, shoot, maybe yeah. shooting is the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean that's actually true, isn't it? Because yeah, he's he always has that tendency to try and make that one final pass, and he did it against
3: Tottenham, didn't he? Um, where he tried to tee up Sterling when he just could have just tapped it in.
2: I felt, oh, I, God, I felt yeah.
3: a bit of sympathy with him there because he, what he'd done, what I think he'd done is he thought, "I'm falling over it. Mm. I, I better not miss this. Sterling's in a good position." And I don't think he realised that Larice wasn't there. Yeah, I think he, I think he thought, "I've got to beat Larice," and I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose when you're in the heat of the moment,
4: a few yards out from goal and there's loads of players there, it's, you know, it's not as easy as it looks on, well, the, on generally, the generally in the
3: heat of the moment and there's, I'm in front of goal with loads of players there, I just whack it as hard as I can anyway because I'm taking the shot on. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you played out of goal. I least. don't really that often. That's, that's probably the reason why, yeah. really. To <laughs> um, Sergio Aguero, we talked about him on the Patreon show as well this week uh, because he's changed his hair. Um, but he 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 scored a, a an absolute thumper of a shot in the uh, in the early moments,
0: and I don't think either of you saw it, did you? Yeah, well, I did see it. It was just I was on the concourse because it was it was straight after half-time, and as as we all know, what the bars at City are like, it's it's hard to get back <laughs> in time. Um, but yeah, no, I did see it with uh, with I'm sure many many other listeners who were who were on the concourse went absolutely berserk and then went down and then went berserk because Bob also missed it, didn't you?
4: Yeah, I heard it in the urinal, so. Um... No, it s- sounded
3: nice. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a terrible
0: Motown song. <laughs>
3: yeah,
4: I'm not
5: really into Motown.
3: Let's let's touch on Aguero briefly because uh, Guardiola has turned him into, I think, just a machine of a centre forward. I don't, I don't think I can't remember the last time he's he's had a properly bad game, and I've not felt like he's going on the pitch. I can't remember the last time I felt like he's going on the pitch and might not score.
4: Yeah, I mean he's he's improved so much uh, last season and certainly beginning of this season um, and I think since the thing came out in the Amazon documentary that he'd been playing in pain for five years and now that he's not you can kind of tell the difference yeah. that little bit but just everything about his game like quite often and you'll see him just out on the left wing sort of covering a position because maybe
3: Sterling's gone into the middle like There's so many sort of facets to it. It's unbelievable. It's funny that you bring that up, actually, because I have a lot of people that sit around me who lambast him for that, who want him in the middle because he's a goal scorer, get get in the box. And one of the things that Guardiola's got in his front, kind of, I was going to say front three, but it's not. It's like the front eight, isn't it? It's just all the players that that City have in midfield and, and up front. They move. They, they they seem to react to each other to know where to
0: move to be to kind of fill in and especially yeah. especially especially Sterling. Yeah, if Aguero's not in the middle, Sterling will just he'll, he'll just be attracted to the space. Um, and well, we've seen that with the amount of goals that Sterling scored from between the posts. Um, but yeah, I, I, I what I really like about this intonation of Aguero is is matched the explosiveness that he had from the initial debut against Swansea. With just another sort of like level of intelligence to his all-round play. So like you've said about him moving out onto the wing, that's just Yeah. You would never have done that in the Exactly. Class, yeah. No, never. Never. Um to looking at the other end of the pitch, two weeks
3: running now that Edison's got bored and chopped somebody down in the box. It's I was gonna I was gonna ask the question in a typical mooney fashion. Is it <laughs> something to worry about? And it's it's clearly not something to worry about because City is scoring enough goals down the other end for it to it to not be. But still, it's a it's a
0: trend you don't want to become a trend isn't it i think i think if it happened again you'd be a bit you'd be a bit concerned but i think you know when you in recent games he's rushed off his line against united um and against southampton they've not cost us he's rushed off his line against tottenham and he's arguably saved us a point or 1-3 yeah. or 1-2 sorry yeah. yeah so it's you know, you'll 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 take it really. Won't it's you? what you get, isn't yeah, it, with a yeah. goalkeeper? That's that, yeah.
3: that. If you want your goalkeeper to be proactive like that, you're gonna he's gonna make mistakes. Yeah, like
0: I don't think many goalkeepers would have come off the line as quick as he did against Kane and and got and and you know and pulled that save off. And he went in with his feet on that one, didn't he, as well? Which is even more risky in a way. Yeah, I would suggest.
4: Um, but yeah, I I can't remember too much of the circumstances of the Southampton one. Um, but certainly with the United one, it was there was quite a lot of defenders back for us, so it seemed a little bit unnecessary to me. Um, I don't think he had to commit to it. But given the type of player he is, he, he's, he's going to, because that's kind of what he does. He comes out and sort of intercepts stuff. And he's done it so many times before where he has intercepted stuff, not even in the penalty area. And it's amazing. And it, Helps our game. Um,
3: the one so, yeah. the one everybody remembers is that Southampton one, where he he's about fifty-five yards out and it's a long ball, and he's being chased. Out. I think Shane Long was chasing him down. and He just took one touch,
0: controlled it, and pinged it out wide. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like you wouldn't really want him as a risk assessor, would you? He's, um, <laughs> he's uh, like, but I think like his passing. I don't think he'd be anywhere near as good on the ball or passing if he had any concept for what risk was. Some of his passes that he plays out from behind the back you know, they're absolutely ridiculous. But if he
3: you... did a couple he did a couple on Sunday where every single player that that he had as an option was being pressed except for one, was being chased down by I don't know, Lingard or Rashford or Lukaku or someone someone you know who's not slow and he'd leave it to the last second to chip it over everybody and drop it on Mendy's toe. Yeah, you think the... how how calm can you be?
0: Ex- exactly and I think if you take if you take away, you know, that clattering into Lukaku then you're taking away that sort of passing decision making yeah. because he just seems always calm and it's just mad like I, you, you, I think if if you're taking out a player that will rush out a goal like that and make a decision without assessing the risk then you then you're also losing his passing ability
3: yeah
4: yeah i think that's a fair point
0: um, credit to City though, because you think to
3: to the, the derby the year before they uh, they were two 0 up they they conceded the two one and and I think pretty much everybody in the stadium could see two two and then three two coming. Um, United just they just did not give United a chance. They they did that thing that Liverpool criticised them for by wasting time by keeping
0: the ball as if that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it it didn't feel the same as last like last year. It was, like, they were in so much more control, weren't they? Yeah, there, there, was, there was a strange sort of energy in the ground last year. And I think the fact that we could have won the league that day, there was added pressure. Whereas I think this time, they just didn't seem to be... The, even with the penalty, I, like we were saying, we weren't particularly nervous, were we?
4: Well, I was a bit. I'm not going to lie, I was. But mm. everything that's been said about the game since and when you've watched the highlights back, it was never a contest, really. Wasn't. But that's, there, the, there that's was,
3: the thing. In the moment, I think you... You kind of lose sight of how well City are doing, mm. or, or that sort of thing, because you think it was a derby, and you don't want them to to get back into it. But ultimately, you know, I mean, the third goal showed it. The they, United couldn't get near the ball. Yeah,
0: yeah, but even having said, it just didn't seem to be that energy that was in the air. Like you know, you know, sometimes I, I think Mourinho said there was that energy. There was nervous. They, they just it didn't that seem that it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> it just didn't seem that way for me. You know, I think you know, derby games that have had that in the past, you know, when we were down to 10 men and we we nearly got it back to 3-2, that game had an energy. Yeah. Last last year when United beat us, that game had a really nervous energy. And I don't mean for one set of fans or the other, but they were just abjectly just awful. They are an awful, awful football side. How they have got away with the results that they've been getting lately, it just it just didn't seem like they were going to come back. Uh, we mentioned the goal for 3-1, Bob, 44
3: passes in that, in that build-up. Um, and I I mean I, I really credit Gundogan, not for the finish, but for the fact that he got, he got in, into a position to cross it after, after like three or four passes in that breakaway, and it had been on 82, 83 minutes or so. And there was one option in the box, and I think it was Sterling. And he looked up and he thought, I could try and bend this past two players and, and, and create it as a goal. But he turned it down. In favour of keeping possession and keeping City in control, and the reward was that he finished it off two minutes later.
4: Yeah. So, do you mean when he's passed it into Sterling after that little run he did?
3: Is that what you He did it. Him? He did a little run um, towards the towards the right hand side. Could mm. have crossed it into the middle, yeah. but chose to knock. I think he knocked it back to Walker, and then it went back to Stones, and they they kind of knocked it around the midfield a little bit more, and then it went out to Bernardo, who crossed it into to Gundogan to, to score.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think that's. It's typical Gundogan in a way, and in that kind of situation where you, you know the third goal will kill the game, and it's getting quite late. So yeah, to keep hold of it and just strangle the life out of United for that little bit longer was yeah pretty impressive and just. But I think again that comes from the manager. They'll that will be drilled into. They just make them. better decisions, don't they? Yeah. That's,
0: that's the thing. Well, well, it's well, it's like turning down that opportunity there. Like I, I fully did not expect that ball to be whipped in when it was Bernardo to yeah not... yeah. yeah. So when Bernardo whips it in, that took the United's defence by as much surprise as anybody like as, as anybody else. Well, Matic was daydreaming anyway, so, so yeah. The, the, fa- the fact that we'd just been knocking it back, knocking it back, knocking it to the side, it was like, right choice, right choice, right choice, right choice. And then it was like... Risky that, choice. That, yeah, yeah, yeah that risky choice caught them on the hop. And that's mm. part of the reason why Gundogan was in absolutely acres of space, I think. Yeah, they they tried to...
4: Play offside, didn't they? As well, so they all step forward. I think I could be wrong, on yeah. That, but... And
0: he was just like it was two
3: yards on, was yeah. A, it, and yeah. I mean, credit as well for the finish. Um, this is uh, Pep Guardiola speaking to the press after the Manchester Derby.
6: First half, not so good. We play like I don't want to lose the ball, but not the intention to attack or to do something. Despite that, we were stable. We scored one goal, the first 15 minutes was so good, and after that, we didn't press too much well. They could play more than usual. But the second half we start from the beginning much, much better. We change a little bit the way we 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 should press to Lindelof and Smiling. And of course help us a lot. The the goal from, from Sergio and after we concede one goal and and always it's inevitable to think about well that season what happened again in that situation, but we didn't concede one other chance. We defend so well The free kicks, they they are so strong more than us, and and especially when Gundogan and Raheem go in the position like a striker, we we had extra passes and extra passes, and after we play so good. So after the last 30 minutes, we we make a very, very good game.
0: Raheem Sterling had another fantastic game, but at the end there, you seem to be having a bit of a go at him for... Playing with the ball in the corner, would that no, be right?
6: I, no, I, I like a lot when he played. So the best way to defend Rosal is keep the ball. It's the best way, uh, and they did it. With Leroy, with Field, they did it. So in that situation, when two or three minutes left, they control absolutely because it's not just the best way defending back because everything can happen. But he makes some movements with the legs. We can we can uh, avoid it. And but he's young, and he's going to to improve. <music>
2: Get your hands on an exclusive Blue Moon Podcast badge, bottle opener or mug by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
3: Pep Guardiola speaking to the press after the Manchester derby. Now, he finished there talking about Raheem Sterling. Um, we've touched on on how good he's been this season. He was he had another, another great performance in the derby. Um, Guardiola wasn't that happy with his showboating towards the end. Um, what did you
0: make of it? I enjoyed it. Um, I think... You know, arguably a bit annoyed that he didn't do it a bit earlier. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, yeah, just I don't really see a problem with it. Um, I, re- I really enjoyed Matt's reaction because I just thought, why? If 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 you're that annoyed, why not? You know, stick a boot in. It just seemed that that's how much we'd kind of strangled the life out of them. That, that there wasn't really any any sort of fight left because we were controlling the game that well. And I thought, literally, if you're gonna do showboating, wait until the last second of the game to do it. It's yeah. a perfect time for me.
4: Yeah, I think there was some footage knocking around on Twitter of Ronaldo doing it to Arsenal for United a number of years ago. So, and basically, United's existence for the last 30 years has been based on showboating. So,
3: you have to take your medicine, don't you? Yeah. you, know, if, you if you dish it out, you've got to take it.
4: And we did it at Old Trafford last season as well, in a different way, just by. You know, not necessarily doing targeting actually young, <laughs> but like running into the box and running back out of the box. What, I, I think I, Bernardo did that. I, didn't I,
0: he? I think that'd be hard to be taught. Bernardo, it's, I th- I, I accidentally think... finding himself nearly through on goal and then turning around and running back to the corner. Oh, well, we're talking about, <laughs> talking about Gundogan turning down the opportunity to put it in the box.
3: Bernardo had a, had a shot on goal and he went, uh, "No, nah, it's too dangerous. Mm. Going to go back to the corner flag." And he, uh, I mean, to be fair, he's it, only early in his city career, but I'm not sure he'd do anything better than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> The other thing that that the United fans weren't particularly happy about was that Fernandinho never got his yellow card for for tactical fouling. Obviously, we've talked about tactical fouling in the last couple of weeks. Um, does is it annoying you that it's now getting the attention when City are doing it? When all teams have done it since the history of of, of, of time,
0: have all teams done it, or was Paul Scholes just you know haphazardly late all the time? <laughs> and Roy it's just, yeah, yeah, and well, the upstand. It's just. I think it's it's strange that it's highlighted, and but I can to an extent to play devil's advocate, I can see why it is because we've got the ball so much, all of the time, and then when we don't have it, like the probably the minutes to fouls ratio, I'm guessing I've not looked it up is probably higher, um, but there's there's no doubt in my mind that Fernandinho trains how to foul. Like, it's, but it's it's
3: it's. I mean, ultimately, the question is: Is there anything wrong
0: with that? No, no. I like I. I don't see anything wrong with it at all. And they've clearly because Fernand, the way that Fernandino they've clearly looked at it and thought if he stands up in a certain way when he's fouling, or if it's just a slight tug or you don't go to ground, then you're much less likely to get cards. And it's it's just eking out every single possible sinew of advantage in a game. And I don't see what the problem is. Marginal gains. Yeah yeah exactly Um, it's a bit random saying this but
4: I remember watching a documentary about British cycling and they were obsessed with marginal gains and this is the same principle isn't it like the nice fouls, like like you say, when he's just standing up, not going to ground. You get
3: away with what you can get away with. It's, yeah, it's exactly. ultimately that. Right, so moving on, and City might be two points worse off at this stage of the season compared to last time around, but they've arguably had a much tougher set of fixtures. After 12 games last term, Pep Guardiola's side led the way with 34 points, but it only faced Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea from their rivals, and two of them games were at home. Tom Green's been having a look at the reaction of opposition managers to City's performances this campaign to see if the team has improved.
7: Ahead of this season, City boss Pep Guardiola explained to Sky Sports that he feels his team can get better. The people say you
6: can improve 100 points, say no. No, because we are not here for, for do that, huh? Uh, but individually, the player can improve. you play good to the right, you can improve with the left. Of course you can improve. If I would feel we cannot improve the team, I would call my man, my chairman, I would say, OK, I leave, because it's no sense. Still, I feel, we feel, we can do better, dominate more and try to do... It's going to happen, I don't know. Motivating
7: the team after a title win was a problem for previous City bosses, Roberto Mancini and Manuel Pellegrini. The club has never retained the top flight crown in its entire history. But Guardiola thinks he knows how to inspire his team to play better.
6: They come back really good. Some of them come back earlier. That is a good sign. And they are not stupid and they know when when he play bad the other one is going played and that guy is good too. And uh, if they want to play, they have to, to maintain the level. If not, the other one is going to play in that position. It's the only way to maintain the level. Off the back of a World Cup and an early start to the Premier League season,
7: the question now is whether City are a better team this year. Riyad Mahrez was the only signing, but the return of Benjamin Mendy and the development of Bernardo Silva has changed how the champions play. Ahead of the Community Shield, Chelsea boss Maurizio Sarri explained he was in awe of the City manager.
1: We went to, together to visit uh, Rigo so Guardiola, for me, is a fan. Uh, but not, not only. <laughs> Unfortunately, he is, uh, I think, the best uh, coach in the world now. Or one of the best, sure.
7: City took Chelsea apart that afternoon, winning 2-0. Sari could see the gap between the
1: teams. In this moment, uh, there is a little difference, maybe not little, between us and uh, City. About the performance, uh, I think in the first half, not too bad. In the second half, there was uh, a big difference from the physical point of view, I think. The league
7: campaign started at Arsenal. His their boss, Unai Emery.
1: Today, uh, Manchester City is demanding our best performance. And, and also, we need to uh, continue uh, working a different option. And, and also uh, doing more short this, this difference today uh, between Manchester City
7: and between us. That 2-0 win was arguably more impressive than the 3-0 victory at the Emirates the season before. That one came after City had just beaten Arsenal in the League Cup final and Arsene Wenger was overseeing the final weeks of his tenure.
4: They took advantage of every defensive weakness we have shown in the first half and uh, at the end of the day must say we lost against a top quality team who is at the moment the best in the country and on top of that uh, the combination of their quality plus the fact that uh, they're high in confidence and
1: we were low in confidence played a big part in the game tonight. I don't deny their quality, they are top quality you know but uh, we go through a difficult patch at the moment and
6: uh, that's uh, part of football, unfortunately, as well. City's next match
7: against one of their rivals was right ahead of the October international break. They went to Anfield, where, last term, they'd lost their first match of the season. After that 4-3 defeat, Jürgen Klopp explained how difficult it was to beat City. Really, really happy about it,
1: because I really respect the quality of the opponent. Well, to be honest, it's just good. So you, can, you can see what they do. You see, and you see, if you want, you can see Man City five times a week, pretty much. So, um, And you watch it and you see it, and you know you have to wear this and deny that, and then you No know, okay, all possible, but quite difficult. As I said maybe it's a historical day tonight, or maybe it's the only
7: game they lose in the whole season. City improved this year, earning a point in a 0 0 draw. It would have been three, but for a missed penalty at the death. Klopp admitted the visitors were a better
1: team. It's an unbelievable challenge to, to to face Man City always, as I said it before. And um, you cannot defend them over ninety-five minutes, one hundred percent. They always will have their moments. But I thought how we defended was actually brilliant, apart from the penalty and one or two situations where we need Ali with a really good save. We played City now that often, and they are just outstanding. So, and in no game we played so far. The game was that kind of
7: level. This week's Manchester derby also saw City improve on last season. Having led 2-0 at half-time back in April, Guardiola's side slipped to a 3-2 loss. A win would have seen City take the title earlier than it had ever been done before. And Jose Mourinho explained why, despite winning that battle, United were miles behind in the war. This season we improve
6: in relation to last season. More points, more victories, more goals scored, less goals conceded. Uh, better results against um, the top five uh, teams. We improve at, at every level, but was not enough. Was not enough. That's why I, I congratulate uh, Man City because they are going to win the the title. They deserve to win the title, and um, I hope they they win against Tottenham. He
7: was less magnanimous after Sunday's 3-1 win for City. There,
6: when I analyze the game today, I think the difference was. You can go for stats. That's, that's the way people that don't understand football, analyze football, is with stats. Um, I don't go for stats. I go for what I felt and for what I, I, I watch in the game. And uh, the game was there until minute 80, 80-something.
7: After losing to United last season, City won the league the following week, following a 3-1 victory against Spurs at Wembley. That evening, Maurizio Pochettino thought his team were well beaten.
1: When you play uh, against Manchester City, that is uh, in a very good level, and and of course that they came for a no good result in the last three games, but always make danger uh, the team like them because they have unbelievable players and players that uh, when they are focused and when they are aggressive can uh, performance in the way that they show today. No?
7: While this season's 1-0 wasn't an improvement on that result, there was a mitigating factor. The pitch was shocking after Wembley had hosted an NFL match the day before. Pochettino, though, still thought the difference between the teams
1: was clear. Last season, uh, was difficult to compete against Manchester City in both games that we played. In, in Manchester and here the gap uh, and the level was, was massive in between both, both teams but today I think it was very competitive and uh, even game. We cannot compare uh, ourselves with Manchester City. I think we are in different levels We still not achieve the, the level of Manchester City. They won the, the Premier League last season. And it's a team that is focusing in trying to win titles. We are focusing on different things.
7: So while City might be two points worse off after 12 matches compared to last season, they're actually four points better off in games against the teams around them. With Chelsea and Liverpool still unbeaten, it's clear the top sides have got better this time out. But the question remains, is it enough to close the gap on the current champions? On the evidence so far, it looks like City are performing much better too. And that could be quite ominous for the chasing pack. Can't
3: stop the spirits when they need you This life is more than just a read-through Hi,
7: this is Andy Morrison and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. <laughs>
2: check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com.
3: Tom Green asking the question, if City are better than last season. So I'm going to throw it to you two, actually. Do you feel, the way City are playing at the moment, do you feel that they're performing better than last season, even if the points tally at this stage isn't isn't as good as it was? Yes. Um, I
4: think there's a lot more sort of, well, I think individuals are performing better for a start. Um, certain players are, that aren't so good at playing less, like Otamendi and Danilo. I think we've played three-five-two a few times, uh, which is a, another st- um,
3: string to our bow. Yeah, you That's... didn't seem you didn't seem convinced that was a phrase. Yeah, I was worried. I was about
4: to trip <laughs> he, he over was a like, word. "Is
0: it strong to my balls?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we've got a strong bow, I guess. Kieran, um, Kieran better for you? Uh, yeah, definitely better. Um, uh, I know technically we've got. You know less points than at this stage last season, but I think when you look at the teams that we have played, um, it's, you think, that, it's that all the tough games as well so far. United yeah. aside, if you can call that a tough game based on where they are, but yeah. United aside, yeah, well we got beaten that fixture last yeah. year, didn't we? Um, Liverpool obviously picked up a point. Uh, the wall, like even even Wol- the walls thing has got a caveat with the fact that they punched one in. Yeah, um, you know I think we've just been pretty much exceptional this season and. It's like I don't even think we started this season that well, but I think in these last few games, I think we've just stepped up another gear. But it still looks like we've got gears left in us. It was
3: Liverpool's and Spurs' best ever start to a Premier League campaign. Maurizio Sarri has the best ever start for a foreign manager in his first season in the Premier League, and yet none of them have laid a glove on City.
0: Yeah, it's um as I say um I know Tottenham because they've flattered to deceive in the Champions League. Um ha- you know, don't seem like they've had the best season, but I, you know, I think points tally-wise it seems that there's um there's sort of three or four different leagues going on. So you've got the bottom half that are all fighting against relegation, then you've got a couple of comfortable teams, then you've got the teams fighting behind City and then you've got City out on their own. I don't think anyone gets near us, not even this much lauded Liverpool side that you know supposedly the best thing since sliced bread, I I genuinely be surprised if they got within ten points of us. It's a bold question this early in the season and with a
3: two point lead. But do you feel like City might have might have already won it's it? It's done. That's conf. I mean that is confidence.
4: I'm not that confident. Uh, I think I can't see anyone else doing it. But I'm not. Suggesting it's sewn up now because that's it's like November so mean we've
0: we've we've not had our best player for most of the season,
4: yeah that is I mean it's true, I mean there's so much going for us, and like the fact that other clubs have had their best starts or whatever for in the Premier League and stuff that must be so demoralizing for those teams knowing that they're doing exceptional stuff by their own standards, but it's just still not. Good not enough. good enough yeah. yeah I mean the,
3: the other side of uh, of all of that you, you think I mean Kieran you said city haven't had the best player this season you, you thought they'd not started that well I actually think what they're doing better this season is strangling games yeah they're I mean they're letting in I don't I, I, I didn't one thing I didn't check was the defensive record I don't know if I don't know if that's any better at this stage than it was last year but it feels like I mean at the moment the only thing Edison's getting beaten by his penalties it feels like the opposition are just not getting the chances that they used to get
0: yeah because I think what what De Bruyne gives you that uh, what we haven't missed this season, which is a big thing, which I think we could have missed in previous seasons, is when a game gets a little bit stretched. De Bruyne's the main one that's got a drive that can literally drive through the heart of a, the, the center of a pitch. I don't. We've we've not needed that this year because we've been such in control of games. We've, you know, we've not scored that many goals on the counter attack compared to what we've done in previous years. Uh, uh, compared to especially last that's year, right, yeah. we, we scored a lot of a lot of goals on the counter attack this year. Yeah, I'm sure some stats will come out that we've scored way more this year or something, but it just doesn't seem that way. It seems like we've just been in a lot more control and the goals have come from patience and kind of really good play rather than just kind of breakneck. And, you know, counter-attacking goals generally are more exciting, aren't they, in the initial stage. But I think if you're going to ask me what I'm going to watch time and time and time and again, I'm going to watch that 44-pass move over and over again. I'm not going to watch... You know, a counter-attack goal that we've scored against West Ham you know, where we've ran away with it, I'm going to watch that goal against United over and over again because it was just absolutely sensational football.
3: Bob, when you look at, at the options that City have this season, as well, OK, like we said before, De Bruyne's not been there this season, but Benjamin Mendy's been back. You mentioned that they've played 3-5-2 a few times and mm-hmm. they've, they've had that option. Mahrez has come in and you know he's he's really shaken it up what they can do a, a, up front because an opposition manager can see the team and still not really know where the players are going to be starting.
4: Yeah, I think there was a few of us talking before the derby and uh, debating who to play on the wings and there was some people that wanted uh, Sané and Sterling and some that wanted Mahrez instead. And I think that's a real great option to have that we didn't particularly have last season. You could maybe play Jesus on the wings but he's not an out-and-out well, he's, not, he's not. Yeah, he's not. he doesn't do what Mares does. Yeah, and I, I think it's not really been seen yet but I think Mares could do a job in the middle as well if he needed to. Um, I think he could be quite interesting. He could maybe... Uh, Offer of that option at De Bruyne does of like driving forward, um, whether he could, I don't know. But I mean, I think he could, but whether we'll see, it, I don't know. That's what I'm going at. But
0: I, I think Mar Maris has been brought in as a lock picker rather than anything else. You know, against packed defenses, you know, Sane, like I say, in terms of counter attacking and explosion, games is, is is ridiculous. Sterling can do both. Um, I'm I'm not saying Sane can't add that to his game, but Mara's is kind of. If, if you're playing against a, a team that's going to pack the defence, you'd rather have Maras because I think his kind of passing or his stop-starty style where he can just kind of break defenders' legs by running really quickly and then stopping and then coming back inside as we saw against Shakhtar, it seemed that the whole stadium stopped. Um, I don't really think... Sa- Sane can do that, but I think it's more of maras's style to kind of do the intricate stuff, whereas Sane is just kind of, you know, kind of, ability, you know, natural ability. Well,
3: uh, Pep Guardiola was asked about this in his, in his post-match press conference with United. Here's what you he had to say.
6: Man City, and right now, until now, Man City and, and Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham and even Arsenal, I think they have numbers to be champion, not just Man City. So it's just two points in front, so it's nothing, but it's true. Last season we didn't win, in, we didn't get points in, in Anfield, we draw... And last season we lost here, we won, so it's good for the contenders for game three away, just one at home, and we got results. But at the end, the three points, the only difference a contender. Man United didn't get it, but the three points today is the same as Southampton last week, and and, and, and we'll be against West Ham after international break. But the important is we're consistent, we played, especially most of the time good, and always I see many things that, that we can improve.
7: Pep. It's Liverpool's best-ever start to a Premier League season. Sarri has the best-ever start for a debut manager. It's Spurs' best-ever start to a Premier League season. What does that say about you, that you're still top?
6: Oh, it's two points. Four points from Chelsea is nothing. So, but nothing is good, uh, especially where, where we come from. So always when you win 100 points, you win the Premier League, the people can say, we'll be we'll maintain our level. And One is the key, is the depth for our squad and everybody want to play and everybody knows that they have to be at a level if, if, if they want to stay there. I'm so satisfied. We maintain that level and at the end, Liverpool win or another win, just shake hands, but we don't have regrets. important in, in life, in football, you don't have regrets about what do you do. If we do in that in that way, we can lose, but with a heads up because we don't have complaints for ourselves.
2: This is the Blue
3: Moon Podcast. Pep Guardiola speaking after the derby about uh, whether City have improved or not. I mean, also, you look at the bigger picture for, for City. The other teams have clearly got stronger, but again, like we are saying, you just don't really see where City would drop those points because they're not doing it in the big games.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose the benchmark is really the Liverpool game for me. I mean, they're the next best team to us, aren't they? And they never, other than maybe the first 15 minutes, they never really looked like they were going to damage City. Um, which I think is, you know, pretty worrying for Liverpool, but also for every other team because it was at Anfield
3: with the atmosphere. And the on well, the onus
4: was on them to good bonnie so-
0: on- yeah. ears around atmosphere there. Yeah, um, I- air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. Yeah, bunny yeah years, I- I- it? Realised oh, yeah. I was doing that, and uh, <laughs> that can no, no it. one could see it. Seeing, yeah. yeah, that was
3: good. <laughs> Final question on this before we move on. Uh, I want to ask you what what represents improvement this season. Is it the number of trophies that they win? Is it better performances? Is it better, more goals,
0: more points? What what would you what would you set the benchmark at? I I, th- I think three trophies is an improvement, obviously, because we won two last year. I think that is something that we should be aiming for.
3: But if they if they were to bring in just one trophy but play better, would that
0: and be more entertaining sort of thing. You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I th- I th- I th- I'd be I, th- I think if we only win one trophy this season, we we should be disappointed considering how considering how good we are. Not in terms of being a spoilt fan, I just mean that team, if you are in that team, you are one of those players in that team, you will be disappointed at the end of the season if you've only got one trophy. Um and I think we've definitely got it in us to do a domestic treble potentially. Uh, you know, two is the par. I think we set par last year. If you do, if you if you win a league cup or an FA cup as well as the league, but not necessarily the league by you know as many points as we did last season or whatever. I think that's par. I think if we improve our league position and win, you know, win one trophy, then that's you know that's a good season. I think we can say we've had an excellent season. Obviously, if we've won three but I think I think if you win a domestic treble and Champions League semi-final I don't think you can argue too much with that. <laughs> Has anyone ever done that? Uh no I don't think so. <laughs> but no one got 100 points, yeah. you know. Well, well
3: I mean I mean in fairness to Kieran what City are doing what City did last season in the Premier League rewrote the standard. So why not rewrite the standard again this year?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah there's they could do it there's no reason why they couldn't but when you consider it on the other way around we only dropped 14 points I mean that's that's nigh and impossible to repeat shortly.
0: yeah I, I, I can't I can't I don't think we'll get 100 points this nah. season I'll be honest with you but I think we will probably I think we'll have had more of a challenge this, this season than we would have had last but I still think we'll win it by by, by a margin. stretch but I, to clarify my take on that is as if I was a player in that squad I wouldn't be happy with anything less than three trophies at the end of the season I think that is the bare minimum that we've set ourselves as a fan as a fan I'd just be delighted with the league to be honest (laughs) with you and uh, you know the Pellegrini Cup nice little bonus I think the league yeah it's
4: got to be the retaining it because no one well we've never done. we've never retained it it's not been done in what 10 years in the Premier League so I think that shows that it's notoriously hard to do yeah I'd
0: be absolutely buzzing with another league win yeah, I love the FA Cup as well. It's been uh, a long yeah. time, relatively speaking. I'll just have time. the lots sod it. Yeah. So I have all four of them. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd <laughs> rather win the FA Cup than the League Cup. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, I tell you, I, I do take you your point. Right. So it's been quite a fortnight for City off the field, and Howard Hawkins seen some even more disturbing leaks.
7: On
5: you. Well, what an interesting ten days that has been. On the pitch it could not have been much more perfect, swiping aside Shakhtar Donetsk and then of course a mid-table of Manchester United with little difficulty. Manchester is blue and all that, as we look forward to the prospect of finishing ahead of United in the league for the sixth season in succession. We truly are the noisiest of neighbours. Now normally the lead up to Derby day, the media coverage is dominated by wheeling out the likes of Paul Scholes, the notoriously shy family man, to explain how City would never be as big as United. This time, things were rather different. Now I'm not going to go over old ground with the Football League stuff and the hatchet jobs on our club's reputation. You're probably, like me, sick of it all. The reaction from much of the English press has been hysterical in every sense of the word. In the same way that Brexit has given casual racists the confidence to be more open with their prejudices, so the leaks from Der Spiegel allowed these journalists that have always had a distaste for City, their financial strength and their owners, to show their true colours and have a field day at the club's expense. I wrote last month that all football fans are essentially hypocrites, like most human beings, and were fans who have very selective moral compasses, happy to decry ownership models of rival clubs, that they'd love to have at their own club, professing faux outrage at human rights issues in the Middle East, for which they really couldn't care less, while sparing not a moment's thought on how their clothes were made, their phone constructed, their food killed, or closer to home, showing no distaste at their own club's sponsorship deals with questionable regimes. It seems sponsorship deals are fine, it's just ownership that's a problem. Funny that. All clubs will be up to questionable practices in a global money-rich sport where power is everything, so rival fans should be careful what they wish for. And yeah, I'll enjoy the amazing football being served to me on a weekly basis, and rival fans can whinge all they want, it makes no difference to us Blues. After all, who's the bitters now, eh? You see, it's easy for rival fans, or more commonly journalists who support less successful teams. To take a moral high ground and claim they'd walk away from their club should they ever be taken over by some Gulf state-linked billionaire. But i sure that almost all of you would not. You'd enjoy and appreciate the greatest period of success you'd ever seen and realise that nothing changed whether you're there or not. Take a selective moral high ground if you wish, or enjoy your short time on Earth. Anyway, that's all a bit too serious, so instead I mused on Twitter on what the next revelations could be. I commented on the Nick Harris exclusive and how it focuses on City fans' claim that they signed Sergio Aguero whilst United signed Phil Jones, and the deception in the song that ignores amortisation costs, market values and resale fees that suggest, per se, that United actually got the best deal. So with the help of some cracking replies and the Twitter City family, I thought it might be a good time to look at some more of the revelations that will follow the Nick Harris expose, as Der Spiegel go after the shocking brazen inaccuracies in much of City fans' chants. It may shake you to the core. On Friday, news will break on the latest revelation that will only further damage City's already tarnished reputation the leak would document how City fans not only failed to condemn, but actually regularly encouraged Etihad and other Abu Dhabi sponsors to further inflate already overvalued sponsorship deals in order to pay Yaya some more money. It's alleged that the constant demands by City fans to increase their Ivory midfielder's financial package led to overspending and the inflating of commercial deals to cover their tracks. And there's more. City fans blatantly lied, despite all the evidence to the contrary, about their lack of success, trying to claim they had fewer points than they actually had. Der Spiegel have documents that prove beyond doubt that they did in fact win both at home and away, and not only that, but that this was achieved on a regular basis. The article will claim that there is clear evidence City fans do give a fuck about results, and not entirely always intoxicated, and that at times in their history, this modest club were definitely not okay. Further al- allegations have emerged that Sean Goethe's scoring prowess was not reliant on an intake of food prior to him shooting, and that a regular low-fat diet, training and practice were bigger factors in his performances. What's more, it's claimed that Sean Goethe is not the greatest of all time, nor a goat, adding further fuel to the fire. Next Wednesday, the German newspaper will run with accusations that by claiming to be fans of the Invisible Man and claiming they are not really there, City fans are trying to both inflate the official crowds in their half-empty stadium whilst also playing down crowd numbers, possibly as some form of tax dodge. Their ditty, You Saw Me Standing Alone, seems a further attempt to avoid paying what they owe on gate receipts. In a song about a particular derby result a few years ago, City fans have enraged many within UEFA and FIFA by claiming it should have been ten, a clear dig at poor refereeing that they seem to think has cost them further goals and perhaps actual silverware. UEFA are not thought to have taken such an accusation well and have asked for the club to comment on such claims. With the club's reputation now in tatters, it would not help to hear rumors that Uwe Rosler's grandfather will be posthumously tried for war crimes. ...committed in an airplane just outside Manchester in 1941. The final nail in the coffin, one that may force City's owners to walk away... ...surprisingly concerns the attire of one of City's ex-players... ...the Bean pole striker Niall Quinn. Ewan McKenna, whose stomach has literally churned all week... ...at City fans' complicity in genocide in the Yemen... ...has released a stinging rebuke to the claims made in the song about Quinn's trousers in which he argues that said pants did not reach Quinn's chest, starting around the hips before travelling down to his ankles, that claims that the pants are better than Adam and the Ants are subjective and could not be proven in any court of law, as is the claim that they are simply the best, as this would require comparison with every other pair of pants globally, an undertaking even the oil-soaked wealth of Abu Dhabi could not fund. Such claims could not have come at a worse time for the club. And with news that the song Raheem Sterling, he's top of the league, has incurred an additional UEFA fine after the song was sung despite the fact Liverpool played earlier that day to go temporarily top of the league, City's PR department will certainly be busy in the coming months. When Nick Harris finds out that all City fans are not without a love of their own, that in a game once the boys in blue did effectively give in, that the club does not guarantee to make fans happy when skies are grey that the Blues have rarely marched on and the craving inaccuracy about being the only club to come from Manchester well heads will surely roll You see, all in all, worrying stuff as our club's name gets dragged further through the mud and yeah, I'm joking about seemingly serious claims and I'll continue to from now on because the morrow Arbiters can quite frankly sod off I'll always support my club and have little control over it I'm going to enjoy this team whilst I can If that makes me, every other fan, the players, the manager and staff, bad people, then so be it. We're no different to anyone else, except we're not as bitter as other fans.
7: Hi,
0: this is Ian Bishop, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
2: This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast.
3: Howard Hawkins there. Now it's time to finish with Ask the Panel. This is the bit of the show where you send in your questions, do it on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast, and you can also email us through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Have a look on there as well for uh, all of our old interviews. Uh, you can uh, listen back to all the uh, ex-players and ex-managers and all sorts that we've uh, that we've spoken to down the years. Uh, first up is Aaron on the emails. He asks, "With Bernardo's recent form, is it possible to say he fits Guardiola's system better than even
0: De Bruyne?" No, it's possible to say it, but whether yeah, you believe right. it is another thing, isn't it? I think Bernardo's sensational, but I think the the like I mentioned it before, De Bruyne's our best player. Um, I don't think Bernardo is is that far off him, um, and I think if if you're talking about in terms of players fitting a system. Guardiola changes his system to suit the players that are available every week. So if De Bruyne's not available, then Bernardo Silva suits it suits it better. They'll both suit it perfectly if they both fit.
3: One thing I've noticed about Bernardo that we didn't talk about earlier on, um, he's his defensive abilities. Every now and then, he like when you th- when you think about how City press, Bernardo Silva is the one creative player that pops up on the edge of his own box with a tough tackle every now and then. Yeah, he can get stuck in, but I think
0: De Bruyne does that as well. Yeah, I think, and you know, it's not like D- David Sil- David Silva's a right sneaky little git when he wants to be. Just um, it, you know, I think I think they've all got a bit of needle in them, which I think we have been missing in previous seasons.
3: James Carbonara's been in touch on the emails to ask when De Bruyne is fit again. Who drops out of the Manchester Derby eleven to make way? This is, I mean, this is directly the question you avoided answering before, Kieran. So
4: the the Derby eleven that started. Yeah. The Derby on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, not, um, not Derby County. I think yeah. we can take that for granted. Um, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know any Derby <laughs> players, so that's, that's good. <laughs> um, that is a really hard question, but it's probably Bernardo, isn't it? Isn't is it, like, Really? I mean, no. Like, no. no. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard, isn't it? Because I'd have David Silver in there because he's got so much... It's going to sound like really Danny Murphy kind of thing to say. He's got so much experience. <laughs> um, you'd just have him in there for the, the sort of know how or whatever. I think it's Mares. I, I I'd say it's
3: Mares, Yeah, mm. it's going to be Mares well, and then... Bernardo on the wing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I because yeah. I don't think Bernardo loses anything by being out there. But I think what City would gain as a net gain from that with having De Bruyne on the pitch and Bernardo would just be that makes the most sense to yeah. me. Yeah. But I think if De Bruyne was in the
0: middle, you'd put Sterling and Sane. You you can arguably put well, you, you can put De Bruyne on the on the right of a three or whatever, and then Bernardo out on the wing, and they can swap and change because you then get in De Bruyne's crossing into the box on the wing as well. And finally, Pete Ashworth
3: has been in touch on the emails to ask: Are you concerned by yet another injury to Mendy, even if it's his other knee
0: to last season? Uh, no, not really. Um, I think it doesn't seem like he's going to be out particularly long, um, but I think we coped you know, pretty comfortably last season. Uh, Delph isn't injured at the minute. Um, and bearing in mind, obviously, he's playing for England uh, shortly. Oh, well, he
3: plays over the weekend, yeah. Yeah, he
0: played, so, you know, he may come back injured, but, I mean, I think Delf can just slot in there, no problem. I think, did, did you say before the derby that you would have played him at left-back?
3: I'd have played uh, Delph uh, in the derby. Say. I was surprised he went with Mendy, actually.
4: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad he did. Uh, I am a little bit... Not concerned about the nature of the injury but I'm just a bit gutted he's going to be missing again because I just feel like we're getting into the swing of Mendy being in the team and although he's not like doing assists every week like he was at the beginning of the season he's clearly adding something to the team Um, and also I don't think I'm not that convinced with the reliability of the backups, like
3: Delph is obviously quite injury prone him himself. Yes, I mean the, the thing with Delph, though, I I feel a little bit sorry for him this season because I think he, I think his last season said to me he'd done a good enough job transforming himself into a left back that I, I I would have I'd have played him in a few more games to to get Sane a bit wider and you know to just to, yeah. to, just to mix it up a little bit and not always have Mendy up and down the line and. Or Mendy cutting inside and yeah. Sane sticking to the line, so I, I'd have I'd have just mixed it up a little bit more without a, an injury to
0: Mendy. Yeah, I think that's I think that's mm. a fair point. And I think if Delph gets you know a few games, probably see you know try to get in for a couple of games maybe as well. You know, should be yeah. you know bit of squad rotation.
4: I reckon had Mendy stayed fit right now, I reckon we would have had that natural rotation anyway in in December because there's that many so fixes. many games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, would have point. reared its head. we've been able to get away with it and also I think you'd want to play Mendy as much as possible right now because he missed so much last season and it's obviously shown that he's a very very good player
0: especially against the the weaker teams yeah Yeah. Yeah. but but having said that I thought I thought he was good defensively at the weekend and I thought he was good defensively against Liverpool so I think that that Tottenham game seems to have—it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit uh, of an anomaly, but, but. but it's it's in a lot of people's mind that Tottenham game because it, it was, it, a you shocker. know, it was it, it, was a sh- yeah. it was it was a shocker. I yeah.
4: think the lines, so the inside lines from the NFL match made such a difference because all the fullbacks were awful, and were, I don't yeah. think that's a coincidence.
0: Yeah, they were all like I think when Ben Davis was the best out of those four fullbacks, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah,
4: I mean, I think like no matter how good a footballer you are. If, You're used to seeing a line sort of in the corner of your eye, and then there's all of a sudden a different line, and it's not actually the line. It's (laughs) like that is going to take you by surprise because you're only human. So
3: I just for some reason I don't I don't know we're going to finish on this, but I don't know why we why why this popped into my head. I just remember Sunji High getting confused by the lines on the pitch and catching the ball as it came down to take a throw-in, and then (laughs) realised that he was on the pitch, and everybody saw it. The referee saw it, and he just the referee just let him step off the pitch and take a throw-in. It was was like just complete. Let's let's pretend
0: that none of this happened. Happened. Well, yeah, you know, the ball went out of play. <laughs> that was that? Yeah, wow. well,
3: that's
0: fascinating. That 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 is that is a good way to finish. What a way to finish You, yeah. know, <laughs> you know, what what a, what a man sunji High was.
3: Thank you to uh, to my two guests, Kieran
0: Clark, You're
3: right, Bob Tool. Cheers, Moon. I've been David Mooney. uh, If you want a little bit more extra Blue Moon Podcast, get on over to patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. We're talking city hairdos this week in honour of Sergio Aguero's new Barnet. Uh, It's $2 a month if you uh, want to have a listen. You also get uh, blogs by me and Richard Burns uh, for that money as well. You're guaranteed 40 to 50 minutes of extra content each month. So go and have a look. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Take care. (laughs)
2: Was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
4: The nice fouls, like, like you say, when he's just standing up, not going to ground. You get away with what you can get away with. It's, yeah, it's exactly. ultimately
3: that. I mean, the other thing that, um, that, that kind of comes from the, the tactical foul debate, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> could, well, not could not tell you what I was going to say. <laughs>
0: the thing was as you were halfway saying and the other thing I thought he's forgot that yeah